listeners, and welcome back to another week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Casey, and this is I Kid You Not. Before we get even caught up on our week, what is your thoughts of the Super Bowl? I loved it. I thought everything about it was great. I thought it was a great game. I love that it wasn't a blowout. I loved the halftime show. I loved the reels and the videos we're seeing from the post-game parties. Oh, hell yeah. I loved the commercials, the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Like, watched it three times today. Um, (laughs) Beyonce dropping new music in the middle of the Super Bowl. Like, uh, all of it. I thought it was such a great show. I don't watch football. It's not my thing. And I actually watched the whole football game. It was so exciting. It was just every other turn. There was so much going on. Like it it was was a really good game. There was good energy and you just didn't know which way it was going to go because they were fully fighting. And then the halftime show, I mean, you know, I like the music choices. Um, The costumes were a little off. They're definitely Vegas-y. Yeah. I didn't like need him, you know, taking his shirt off and all that. Like, I think Usher's past that point for I me. Mean, we learned with Adam Levine's performance, um, it was not something that we should do. But he looked like he was dying of heat, so maybe he needed to strip I had it that off. Same thought. Like, is it really hot <laughs> in Vegas right now? He was yeah, like, melting. <laughs> he, he was he, literally he, melting. Yeah. Um, and I thought like the stage was alright. I mean, he, they definitely came out. Yeah, of I didn't love the him. stage, but. The show was awesome. Also, I didn't realize this when we spoke last time. Usher has been was doing like a residency in Vegas for a while. Oh, I didn't know that either. Oh, he came out of retirement and he doesn't do anything. He never performs. He apparently had a residency. Well, okay. So then that makes it worse because there was definite pitch issues. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that it's all like pre-recorded. His residency well, I- I was kind of shocked because Rihanna's was pre-recorded, so he could have done it if he wanted to. And I was shocked to actually hear he was live on his mic. And he still has the moves. I was showing my colleague today um, because she didn't get to see it. And and someone sent her this meme of Alicia Keys at the piano. Just know it's an early start or something. Like it was some kind of diss or something. Lo and behold, oh. she she goes on YouTube and listens to the halftime show, the whole halftime show, and they fixed Alicia Keys' first note that was out of tune. They fixed it. So it's not even out of tune on the YouTube channels. So I oh, went, really? Meanwhile, love her. I think the rest of the performance is really great. Loved her look. I was so excited she was there. I yeah. love her. I love Luda. Um, excited about Luda. But oh, I didn't really know anybody else. I was kind of like... Little John? Oh, that was Little John? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. He definitely had the energy cooking. And overall, would I say it's like a, the best one? No. Would I say it's more... No, but I thought it was great. Yeah, I was, because it was way more. Ent- I was way more entertained than I thought I would be. Agreed. Totally. And like, I just looked it up. He was doing his residency through October of this year. So like... He is in no way retired, and we are fools. We made it seem like he hasn't performed in decades, and he was performing in October. Yeah, but like that, what, for just a year or a few months? Or like, was he retired prior to that? Like, He might have been retired prior to that, but like, even if you're doing a residency for a year, that means you're on four or five nights a week. Mm. Look, his music is definitely, it hits. Great. So... His music's yeah. great, and he could, he could perform. He's a good performer, but the singing 
Singing was I was entertained. I will say that. So that was exciting. And I thought the whole thing was great. I wanted the 49ers to win, but I wasn't like upset with the Chiefs winning at all. Yeah, I mean, I kind of went either way. I was kind of curious to see, you know, how Taylor would react with him losing because that would have been, I feel like, the first like real test of their relationship. Since she's been with him, he's been winning all these major moments. She's been winning things like this could have been the like first, how like, iconic that she had this insanity of an insane um Eris tour and then she won like all these awards on these award shows and now he's he just won the Super Bowl like what a power Second couple in a row I know Crazy. like seriously record breaking on both ends and, and I, I like seeing the gushiness of them I love too. the PDA I'm into it very yeah, like, cute. Fuck it, who cares? Because normally she keeps it very private, and I like that she's embracing yeah. it. Honestly, I know that people who are Swifties think she's like the end all be all, but I think he kind of gives her cool points. This is like a whole different world. Like, there's no way she was chugging beers before her and Travis started dating. I don't know. She's a or country girl. At least not so publicly. Yeah, but she's been in this industry since she's 16. I don't know that. I feel like she, like her and like Miley Cyrus and Selena, like they didn't really get to be kids yeah. at the age that they were supposed to be kids, you That's know? That's fair. Yeah. She's not your regular country girl where she was in pickup trucks and doing crazy shit. <laughs> right, right. No. So God bless her for now, getting out there and chugging her beers and finding her, uh, her football player. I, I have to say that I would love to party with Jason Kelsey. He looks a blast. He looks like a blast. Like, a full fucking blast. Yeah. I, I just want to party with him. Honestly, like, that whole uh, booth or suite, whatever you call it, that yeah. thing looked lit. Because Miles Teller's there. You know I love him. And um, love me some Miles Teller. And I actually heard he's, like, really fun also. <laughs> he looks like a blast. And his wife is yeah. so cool. And you know they dated since, I think, grade school? Like, they I have been together. I was just going to say, they're, like, forever. pre-famous. Yeah, so Blake Live is on TikTok. There's somebody um, zooming in on Blake Live because she was wearing all these like bracelets and her jewelry was really heavy, but she wasn't wearing rings. So someone's like, oh, she's not wearing her wedding ring, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God, the everyone's going to read into everything. Do. The internet, like social media, is either completely vile about this shit or completely fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like the fact that they're even, that people's minds are going there, like that's not where my mind would have gone. She's at the fucking Super Bowl with her bestie. Like, let her live. And she's um, wearing like huge chunks you can of like she's wearing like bracelets. Has, and people are yeah, crazy. They'll do shit like that where they annoy me. And then there were just like yeah. all these funny memes today, also, that I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this. How was your weekend otherwise? I had a crazy couple of days. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like a lot happened. A lot of, a lot of good things, a lot of me moments. I um, kind of, went back out there in the world. Um, okay. I just decided to get a second piercing in my ears. So I have two ear holes on either exciting. side. Yeah, I've been wanting it since I was a kid and I was petrified because I hate needles. And I definitely was one of those girls that was a chicken the whole time. I just felt so empowered, invigorated. Like it felt really good. Um, I went out okay, uh, that great. night. I met Vanessa. She was in town. We went to East Village. And it is definitely... The twenty-year-old hangout. I don't know where the thirty-year-olds and up are hanging, but it's definitely not in East Village. Um, 
we bar hopped. We actually had one drink and we went from location to location. Went to like five or six places. Um, we found this speakeasy that was pretty cool. I think it was called Crip Dog. It was in this hot dog restaurant and you go to this telephone booth and you pick it up and you dial and then the other side of the like wall opens and but it was so packed that you had to put your name on the wait list and That's we never cool. got called so we didn't go in it um and then saturday saturday day was my nephew's um birthday party eighth he turned eight years old and he had a rave a little rave That's kid's exciting. birthday party and it was so much fun. He got in the DJ booth, did a little turntable, neon lights everywhere, kids running around like psychos. It was fun. That's so funny. Yeah. And then uh, we went out to the west side. We went to um, a comedy club called Grizzly Pear. And oh my God, this one guy was so funny, Ryan. I, I, I haven't seen anyone this funny in a long time. He was good. Really? That's exciting because you never he- know. You don't. And honestly, it was kind of, I felt bad because the rest of them, they couldn't, they couldn't get where he was. And so Mm -hmm. it just kept falling flat. Like the girl after actually knew one of the girls we were with, one of Vanessa's friends. And she said, she goes, I don't think anyone liked me because literally no one laughed. Like it was, it went from one extreme and then fell down. It was crazy. I've never been at a comedy show and like heard people not laugh. Like not you even, like, up. the, like, courtesy laughs? And then we went to some dance club that's, like, three floors. So Were I was you really grinding? Little... Yes, I did. <laughs> no, you didn't. I grind both nights, actually, which <laughs> was so crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely out of shape. <laughs> I still have the moves. I was still, like, I still, you know, felt sexy, and I still had the moves, but I just couldn't last long. <laughs> You got to start working on your stamina, girl, doing some squats, <laughs> build the thigh muscle for your grinding. Oh my God. I can't even, it was, it was fun. Yeah. And then uh, Sunday was his actual birthday. So we did brunch at my uh, sister-in-law's and my brother's and uh, the family got together and I did a Lego set with him. It was the first time he actually like built it with me. Wow. And- yeah, we put a little, I put a little reel together for him because it was cute. Um, and I surprised him with um, tickets to go see the Empire State Building because he really wants to go. So I got like VIP passes. Wow. That's fun. I haven't done that since like, yeah, I think like forever. middle school. Right. right? That's Apparently crazy. we're like going to the floor where it's like 360 views or something like that. And then we can mm-hmm. go to the top. And then I was thinking maybe I'd take him to Serendipity after for like a little tree I mean, like a little spot. It is. so it was fine and then the super bowl you know so i feel like it was packed you had a packed weekend what about you i had a bit of a less packed weekend um <laughs> you know february is a tough month for me um in general so i i had a lot of family time um i worked late on friday and then had some family time saturday and sunday and um i did go sunday morning to polar bear um in long beach and i did not jump in but (laughs) i um a friend of mine her real estate team was doing like a fundraiser at this place five ocean it's like right at the start of the boardwalk i'm not gonna lie the food was awful but (laughs) it was really like a perfect place to like start the plunge 
So this restaurant is literally right at the start of the boardwalk. It's a perfect spot for like this kind of like pregame. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun. And that was, I had a good time there. And then I just like kind of hung out and I watched the Super Bowl by myself because I got a little bit more drunk than I had anticipated. I feel like um, <laughs> And had to take a little nap in between Polar Bear and the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I woke up literally to them, to the singing of the national anthem. I was like, oh, shit. I am not going to make that Super Bowl party. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but I did wake up just in time for the game. I I got a haircut. That was something. It looks great. Um, thank you. Yeah, I'm happy. I've always wanted long hair, but every time I try, it just ends up looking like stringy, I feel like. So yeah, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going short again. I'm just always so hesitant because I feel like when my hair is short, like my face needs to be thin. And I, I um, get what you mean. I get so it. I'm like, maybe this will be my motivation because I just couldn't take it anymore. Well, so how's the Peloton life? Um, it's amazing. I am obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, I'm obsessed with the fact that there's like strength workouts and bike workouts. It really does take some getting used to like the seat, but <laughs> is sore and not like if it were just from working out, then I'd keep going. But it's like the kind of sore where like it hurts from actually sitting on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so today I decided to give my butt a little break, but I was still able to use the app and do a different workout. So oh, nice! I'm super into it. I'm excited about it. And I'm going to be in Florida the end of the week. So I have, you know, my strength workouts that I can do there. So I like I'm how you're geeking it. out in it. That's like a good oh, I'm thing. I'm loving it. Yeah, good. And um, I think also when um, you go see Curtis, I feel like you're motivated with mm-hmm. that, because you're joining what the 5K mile, right? Yeah, we're doing so, a 5K together. And I gotta get my dust. cardio up. I mean, <laughs> if only I could just get my eating habits under control, because, but I'm excited. I'm excited to go to Florida. It'll be nice to be with my family there and see some of my friends there. Um, I haven't met my cousin's babies yet, and they're a year old. So I'm really excited Aww. about that. Yeah. I have some good things coming up, but February is just a tough month for me. My father passed away in February. It'll be two years actually when this episode comes out. Um, so that's just, you know, it's always tough. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we recently lost my cousin. So it's like, it's been a lot. Sometimes it feels like when it rains, it pours. I need some positive vibes. So I am trying to just stay positive and take care of myself and then hopefully we'll go from there i don't know things will start looking up we're definitely going to go from there things will definitely lift up but look sometimes you need to revel in that when you want to remember things even though it's sad sometimes your your body and your mind just needs to go through it it goes in waves and right now the waves coming strong for you florida should help like that should I mean, seeing the kids, being in sun, being in this, like, I feel like sun will help uplift your mood. And I think that will be nice. I don't want to wallow. You know what I mean? And I think I did some wallowing this weekend for sure. (laughs) I'm glad you had a good weekend. Yeah, I feel like for once, because I feel like I've been down for, I don't know, most of my life. I feel kind (laughs) of... Not to be morbid or anything, but um, I do feel... I feel really in a strong place right now. It's a little bit of an Good. odd feeling. Happy, just kind of 
is like a fleeting moment. So when you're in it, it feels good. But I feel like the sad part um, just gets, it feels deeper because it's a different kind of emotion, you know, that you kind of hold on to. For some reason, when you're sad, it feels like never ending. Mm -hmm. And then when we're happy, it seems to go by so quickly. Yeah. Um, And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe we're not, or maybe I'm not holding on to the happy enough when I have it. Yeah, me too. Sierra feels different. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. It's it, like be good for me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, it sucks because I feel like I started this year and I'm like, you know, things are feeling good. I feel like I'm doing okay. And then it's just been like with my family in particular, like we've just been get we've been getting hit with a lot of shit. And I'm one of those people who I do think that if you like keep putting out good, then you'll get good in return. return yeah uh, so this is a little bit heavier i guess than our typical catch-ups but well, I'm that's good because this today. is the perfect um episode to do it if we're gonna be honest yeah we are gonna go a little bit deeper this week so it kind of works we talk all the time about how we're in therapy um you've heard us talk about our experiences in therapy our own personal journeys I feel like between you and I, Casey, we're just like always trying to better ourselves and always mm-hmm. like self-evaluating. And I think that we're supposed to be works in progress. I think everyone is. New challenges, new age, new life. It just, there's always something where you have to evolve. Right. Yeah. Where you have to evolve. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about our progress and our evolution and talk about some of the things we learned in therapy. All right, so let's dive into this because I'm kind of excited to show you guys yeah. a different side of us and how we've come to be these charming individuals that we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the nitty gritty because I feel like there's a lot of stereotypes behind therapy. Yeah. Um, so before you even went to therapy, uh, what was your perception of it? Um, so I've always really appreciated people who went to therapy or who said they were in therapy, I just never thought it was something I could do. It felt like if I were going to be in therapy, then I I couldn't tell anyone. Um, Interesting. Yeah. um, Like it should be something secretive. Faux pas. Yeah. Yeah. And I now obviously have a very different feeling. What about you? Were you like just all in on it always? No, um, actually, like not even remotely close for me. Um, I wasn't for it. I actually just couldn't understand how a stranger could fix things. Like I just didn't, I didn't, I just thought it was a waste Mm -hmm. of time to go talk to somebody like about my problems. Like, who are they? They're not in my life. Um, and then, so when I started to go, I would lie to them. Like I wasn't being true to myself because I just, I was going to go because I was kind of pushed into it, but, um, I didn't believe in the process until I found the right situation. So when was the first time you went to therapy and what made you finally do it? So I first went to therapy shortly after I turned 30 and I had just stopped talking to this guy, this like on and off situationship for like three years that really like ate away at my self-esteem, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried this one therapist. I tried a couple actually, and they both were men and they were not recommended by anyone other than they were, took my insurance and I didn't vibe with either of them. And I was like, no, fuck this. Um, I'm not going back. 
And similar to you, like, not that I lied, I just didn't feel like opening up to them. And then about a year later, my father got diagnosed with cancer. I am the type of person who compartmentalizes, like I Mm -hmm. will something like shitty will happen to me and I'll still like go to work and I'll still do the day-to-day meeting. Yes, I go into autopilot. Um, And I was doing that, but I guess I was being a little bit snippier and a little nastier with people. And a friend of mine I worked with pulled me aside at an event a month or two after my dad was diagnosed and was like, honey, listen, we all know what you're going through and we're all here for you. But you got to do something, whether it's take time, get into therapy, something, because you are snapping at people in a way that is not no one's going to want to work with you anymore. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Um, so I started seriously again looking into therapy. And I did this time around. I wanted a woman. I never saw myself opening up about like sex or relationships or things like that to the men that I had met with before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be my own bias, obviously. But uh, I wanted a woman. And I ended up at the recommendation of a friend going to this woman and I have been seeing her ever since her background was really in like addiction and working with people um who have addiction and I have like a history of addiction in my family so Mm -hmm. uh, I've been going to her ever since in my opinion therapy is not one of those things where it's like you go to the first person that you try or that it's gonna you have to be open to like finding your person so for me it was more of I was in middle school, I want to say, when okay. um, my mom really wanted me to talk to somebody. Um, and I went through quite a bit, if I'm going to be honest, um, of people because I didn't really connect, whether it was a okay. food, food therapist or someone to work through my mental struggles I was having and even my communication with my mom, like we were fighting a lot, but I think I was just being, I was just pushing everyone away and I was just isolating myself. She just wanted to give me a chance to talk to somebody and air it out. And at that time, again, I just wasn't understanding the process. Um, And so I felt like I couldn't, like, I couldn't find myself. Like I had a, Mm -hmm. I had Like, I didn't understand who I was in the world. I had, like, an identity issue of, like, who am I? My abandonment issues, my my, um, struggles of self-worth. I I had some things, like, to work through in my – that were my childhood that I feel like were predestined for for what caused my insecurities, you know? Um, So I went to, I think, like, five or six different therapists. I went to – this one woman who I really connected with, I really liked her a lot. Um, but I actually realized after seeing her for, I think almost like a couple of months, almost to a year, I was not improving, but I felt comfortable talking to her. There are times when okay. you find a therapist where you connect with them, but you as a person are not progressing forward. Um, and so I, I got out. I can see that. I can yeah. see that, but I hate to say it because I really do love my therapist. I've been going to her now for like seven years, almost six years, and I'm like, do I need? I do start to question sometimes if I should be switching it up and getting like a new perspective. Are we just too close? Sometimes now I talk to her, and it's like talking to a friend. Really, and really, in therapy, there has to be that that boundary. Um, because totally. what I 
what I learned, um, cause later on, like, so I went to a few different therapists and I finally found this guy. Um, and he, okay. he was really, to be honest with you, he was really a key to start the change, like help me start finding ways to cope with things. Um, so I was actually going to ask you, what kind of therapy do you do? Because this guy actually was a hypnotherapist and he was oh, the really? one. Yeah. And he's the one that I felt I had the most success with. Uh, I've never done that. I just do talk therapy. So um, he did both. He like let he, it depend on if there was something like really heavy going on at the time and I need to talk to through, or if there were some yes. things that he felt would help better if we went into the trance and Okay, so I'm curious about that because I've just always been so intrigued by like hypnosis in general because I do think like everything else, there are people who like exploit it and, you know, make a mockery of it, like act like they're hypnotized or something like that. Does it help like bring up repressed memories and things like that? Or does it help you get to a place where you feel like you can be more open? So for me, and I'm sure there's different styles now, yeah. but this was, I want to say I was in like high school or I was, or I might've just been in college at this point. And he did more of like, he would have me come down the stairs, like, and he would start off by saying, close your eyes, laying back. And, um, he would start talking very slow and say, you know, imagine yourself taking each step. And he would like talk me down the stairs like, and I thought I was present the whole time. Like, honestly, yeah, you know, I felt like sound in mine, even though I was closed my eyes. But then the next thing you know, like, um, he would wake me up and a full 45 minutes to an hour went by and I felt like it was 10 minutes long. Um, I felt like I had the ability to gain control back in my mind. I felt like I learned a lot of tactics to calm myself down. Cause I used to have a lot of anxiety attacks and I would go on these like severe panic attacks where I'd have to call him and pull off to the side of the road. But I felt like yeah. I got a lot of tools to gain back control. It almost felt like I had this other being controlling me inside. And I saw a lot of cycles I was doing. I was noticing I was in cycles. It did bring up things from my past that I felt- okay. Yeah, I felt like it uh, It gave me a different perspective. And what I loved about his type of therapy was he never gave his opinion. It was more of me talking it out or him going through this memory with me that I would have the revelation. And it was me okay. finding out what was going to move me forward. So I appreciated not having an outside opinion that would direct me in a way that they felt it was more of how I right. gained control and was able to move forward for myself. But I think that's also the sign of a good therapist. They're not supposed to give their opinion. You Correct. know, they're supposed to guide you to talk through your feelings to get through. Sometimes I'll argue with my therapist because it also depends on my mood and like where I'm at for the session. And I go every other week. So there are times where I'm just more in an open mood and there are some times where I'm more guarded and I'll right. get like, all right, fucking relax. Like you honestly don't even know what you're talking about. So I've definitely done that. But if I'm being honest with myself, she's typically right about where she's trying to get me to go. Mm -hmm. You prefer in person or over the phone? Ever since COVID, my therapist is fully over the phone. We FaceTime. Mm -hmm. um, I do sometimes kind of miss that because my house is can be overstimulating just with the cats and everything going on. Like there are plenty of times we'll be FaceTiming 
and fucking Jimmy or Janice will jump right in front of me in the middle of the, like right in front of the phone. And I'm like, sorry. So I don't know. I, I think I preferred in person, but I'm not minding it on FaceTime. I've, I've done over the phone a few times when I've had my moments where I have to talk to the therapist right away. Cause I was yes. in a really bad place and um, need to be talked off the ledge kind of thing. So mm-hmm. those were like more in moment things like that um, when I was younger, but I haven't been to therapy in a while. For me, I think part of therapy is to make a commitment and that commitment for me is to going to the office. He's going there. So I do feel that I prefer in person. Yeah. How did your family feel about you going to therapy? So it was interesting because my dad, um, he was super into it. He was in therapy. He was at Sloan and they were, they told us about all the services they have. And we were like, okay, you're doing, like, you need to talk to someone. This is way too much for any one person to have to deal with on their own. So he was really encouraging. Um, He would, though, there were times he would get upset and think like, oh, you're, I, you're there because of me. And it's like, no, I'm not there because of you. I mean, kind of, but. <laughs> um, I got my own issues. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like your parents right. are a huge part of it. And you also went very late in life. So yeah. Were your parents open to it when you were younger or was there that stigma? So still? when I was younger, we did, when my parents first got divorced, we did go as a family. I forgot about this to like family therapy. They were totally encouraging and open to it. And I was not. I was like, no. Right. I'm not going to this fucking weirdo. Like, leave me alone. Uh, (laughs) I don't think that there's the stigma now, but they do have that, like, there is that old school mentality. Their generation, you didn't talk to people. Yeah. You talk to your sisters or you talk to your your friends or your family. That was that. Yeah. And you buck up. You keep it in the family and you pull yourself up. And you get it the fuck together and move on. Like, I think, like, unintentionally, maybe, they might have given me a bit of a stigma. Yeah, I get um, it. Or a bias, but they were never, like, when, now that they know I'm in therapy, none of them are, like, oh, my God, there's something wrong with you. But I also Um, feel like when we grew up, it was kind of, like, not an open discussion to talk about. You know, now it's so free and open, but, and there's a lot of mental health, like, concerns. But back then, it was not... Like, it was a faux pas. Like, you you don't really express it. Um, I feel like it wasn't. Right. I feel like it wasn't until our generation started getting older or, like, maybe people, like, a little bit younger than us, like, the younger millennials. Mental health was something that was spoken about and not seen as, like, a a criticism or, you know, a weakness. That's the word I'm looking for. They started to show it on shows and movies, but, like... That was not something they would really highlight. No. Right. Ever before that. Like our parents, think about the evolution of just like where this has all come from. Mm-hmm. Our parents, you know, we're saying definitely maybe in, unintentionally gave this kind of stigma. Um, their parents, it was probably like, what do you mean therapy? Get the hell out of here. Like, right. And also was, you're dialing back to like no technology, like TVs becoming a thing. Radio is the way you heard things. It was just a very different world. So it's hard to even compare, but it, it does go from generation to generation. It does change um, yeah. just from the exposure to life. See, my family was, uh, I don't know about like my dad and everything, but my mom was definitely 
like pushed me into it. So like I was so young, I can't remember what the rest of them felt about it, you know? Right. Right. But they wouldn't like now have an issue with you doing it. No, no. The tricky part of therapy is that you'll talk about things that you don't even think were an issue. Right. Or like, or you just start talking about things. You're like, oh, well, that's why I partied so much in high school or why I did certain things. And you, at the time, I, I definitely didn't think there was like any ulterior motives or any like driving force. And then you start doing the work and you're like, oh, okay, this has been an issue for me forever. It is wild, you know, right? the the famous expression is the youth is wasted on the young because oh. reality is you just don't. So you think fucking you, true. You think you know everything and you just don't and you really don't. Yeah. Um, and then you do reflect back and you you see the pattern um, and you see your choices and then you want to start changing them so that you can move forward not doing it. And you look back yeah. on it and it seems minimal, but it wasn't yeah. at the time. But it wasn't. Yeah. yeah honestly. The- one of the like biggest things I've I learned in therapy and it's still something that I like actively have to work at every day is boundaries. I'm with you. And (laughs) I, it seems like for some people, it might seem like boundaries are a normal thing and easy, right? I did not grow up with boundaries. Like there were no boundaries in my family. Um, in my relationships, in my friendships, I feel like there were just never any boundaries. And I really like carried that into everything, like unknowingly. I remember when I first started going to my therapist in the beginning, I would talk a lot about work and like where I was at my job and what the things I wasn't happy with. And she did say to me at one point, she was like, it's kind of funny because most people start with their family, but you are leading with work. <laughs> um, well, you had a lot going on at the time. Let's I be did. <laughs> I did. Um, but she kept bringing up like, well, you have to set boundaries. If you're not happy with how this is going, you have to set that be- that boundary. As we chipped away, we realized, oh, there have never been boundaries. But she would always be like, okay, so what's going to happen if you set this boundary and you stick to it? And and I'm like, then I'm going to disappoint that person. And she's like, right. Like. Because people do okay. it to you all the time. Like, and. Right. And they have no qualms about it. And you're sitting there feeling like shit. I didn't realize what not setting those boundaries, even in like. Not, not crazy situations, even in smaller situations, let's say. As simple as like now, I literally. With my work email, I turn off notifications Friday at 5 p.m. The only way I know what's happening in my email is if I open the app on my own, at my own choosing. Because I, again, I'm not curing cancer. I love my job. I agree. And I'm good at my job. No one's life is in the balance if I don't answer an email on a Saturday. You don't realize the power in something just that seemingly like menial of just like not answering emails on the weekends if they're not an emergency, what that does, it gave me just a sense of like self back and like the work life that, balance that's like healthy. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think I'm in a good place at work, but I still struggle immensely with boundaries in relationships in with my family, my last relationship. And I think I, I don't know that I set any clear boundaries with him or any proper boundaries of like what I'll accept and what I won't until he was already in a habit. 
I get it. And then I started, you know what I mean? And then I was like, wait a second. I don't even know how to do it. I don't even know what the signs are to when you're supposed to. Until it's too late, right? And then you don't even know what the boundary you're supposed to be setting in advance. Like some girls know. And then you fuck, how did we get? Yes. And they like train right away. And I envy that. Uh, me too. Me too. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't register until afterwards. Now I'm fucking dealing with it. And I'm, I kick myself like, what, how'd I get here? How'd I get here? Cause this is not something I want or accept. And I know better. I agree with you, Ryan. I have a hard time yeah. with boundaries as well. I think it does have to do a bit with our upbringing. I feel like yeah. we were, you go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you graduate, you get a job, you put in like the work and you will get recognized, get promotion and get raised like and go on, you know, yes. that's how like it was told to us. So like the more you put in, the more you get recognized, the more you climb up the ladder. That's not reality. Yes. That is not, that no. is not what happened because it is, uh, you know, every man for yourself, you know, even though you want to uh-huh. be a team player, like, you know, I would kill myself. I would give everything. And then I, then I was just, exactly where I was. And the expectation was then, and the standard was, then I had to always be at that level. And so then no one was appreciating the extra that I was doing. It then became the normal. And Mm -hmm. it gets so exhausting to always be on and have that expectation on you because you have it on yourself. You set unrealistic expectations. and And then you have to meet them and no one else meets them. Right. You then take it personally when someone else doesn't, when it's like, well, right. really, you're the one who set this unrealistic expectation 100%. based off of nothing that they gave you, just based off of your own, mm-hmm. my own spiral, my own expectations. Yep. And that's not fair to do to other people either. Nope. You really have to meet people where they are. I right. also feel like um, my family had a play in it too. Um, my family is the people that like, take care of everything. For like example, if we would go out for dinner, they would pay. Like no matter who was around, you're coming with the family, we're going to the theater, we ha- we'll pay the ticket. So it just became that they were the givers and they took care of things in a lot of different ways. And yeah. I grew up in that way. And I find myself doing it with people that don't even really deserve that. And I'm a giver and I don't know how to receive so I've only surrounded myself around takers. It's like yeah. very draining. I hate this cycle. I'm like on an annoying hamster wheel with it. Like it's a one-way relationship or a one-sided relationship. And that's a shitty fucking feeling. It's terrible. And having the strength to have the tough conversation with someone. Yeah. And it's not always easy because you cannot control other people. Like when you go to have a tough conversation with someone, you have to be fully prepared for the fact that they might not react the way you want them to. And you know what's even more frustrating about that is that most nine times out of 10, they do it to you on a regular basis. So the one time you do want to speak up to set the guideline, it is like so offensive and they cannot see it. Um, And I feel like a lot of my also self worth issues and how I viewed myself mm-hmm. put me in that cycle of having finding like the wounded because I didn't want to focus on myself and I didn't think I was good enough to be with someone that had their shit together. So I would find somebody that maybe didn't have it together and that you they would to be fix. 
Right. And maybe not even fixed, but like the tension would not be on me. Right. And that's another fucking fine line is like going from being, you know, supportive to being like a caretaker. Right. Good girl syndrome. Like, oh, yeah. You know, women is many things, but it's never easy. Be smart, but don't show off. Be ambitious, but always put family first. Be quiet, be perfect. They are contradictory. It's insane. Like, it's so true, Ryan. It's scary growing up. That was really important to me, right? Like, yeah. being perfect, getting great grades, um, being making my family proud, making my parents proud, wanting them, wanting that positive reinforcement from everyone from my teachers to my parents to my friends. Yeah. And then you see it in these relationships and it's like how this plays out in your relationships. When I was in grade school and like I was Mm -hmm. athletic, like I had all my things, but when I started hearing certain things people might say about me, it was, it like really hurt. And I said to myself, I don't, I want people when they talk about me to talk about me in a positive light. And I had, I created an OCD from it. I had anxiety from yeah. it because I was so worried about the way I was being viewed that I was identifying with that um, of what people were saying. Driving your right. decisions, essentially, right. right? Is the fear of what people would say or, or, and then I started doubting myself and I lost myself um, having to be perfect on all the time, whether it's the way you look or whether it's, you know, how you're carrying yourself in the moment and shifting gears of who you're with. Oh yeah. I can totally relate to that. I'm always juggling a lot of things and I'm always, and part of it is that I want to do it. I want to help people. I want to be there and be supportive for certain people. Um, but I need to stop setting this Unreal. This unrealistic example, like I yeah. think I can do it all, and the constant striving for perfectionism and people pleasing and putting people before you. Yeah, um, it's brutal. It's okay to not put other people first sometimes if it's what's best for you. Yeah, or if it will hurt you, and that is where I struggle. I think me and you are very similar in a lot mm-hmm. of this. To be honest, when my parents got divorced, so it was like if I could be perfect and not be a problem then I could be one less thing that everyone had to worry about. Funny you say that. I feel I feel like um my so I feel that way also with my family. Um my brother was the golden child uh-huh. and I was definitely the rebel and I'm mm-hmm. growing up in a family where my mom was like you need to be independent, you need to have your own money, you need to take care of yourself. And so I put my my life in like measure to my dad and my brother's success it's really hard to shift your your focus when you've lived a whole life right 37 years of thinking that way that like Mm -hmm. you just need to do what's right and be good otherwise you're a bother to someone Mm -hmm. and I do I truly feel that like I struggle asking for help I struggle in a a lot of these ways and it's because I don't want to ever put anyone else out or be a bother to someone or add to someone's stress. I do that, but I'm the opposite. For me, I don't think anyone would show up for me when I ask for uh, yeah. help. So it's yeah. not, it's not a bird. Like it, for you, I get it's a burden. You don't want that for me. 
I just have never had someone show up for me other than my mom. Before I picked all of my dead-end relationships, I already knew the outcome was going to be a failure. I knew the ball was going to drop at some point. And I yeah. still, on some level, I guess I'm still doing it. I don't trust my own intuition with it. I've had that too, though, case where like after certain relationships, you like, you question yourself and like, can I even fucking trust myself to do this? Yeah, I, I had to take a cleanse. And then I felt like I was conveniently yeah. dating also. Like if they're, they're oh, yeah. showing interest, I would just conveniently date, which also set me back. Yes. Convenience dating is definitely something that I've done. Be, I, because I am also an emotional person. So that's like another tough one that you have to be careful with because that convenience dating can quickly turn into like an emotional investment like out of nowhere. And you're like, wait, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I knew this was never going to work. Why am I emotionally invested? <laughs> I'm with you, girl. I'm definitely with yep. you. I think my biggest struggle is letting go. Yeah. yeah. And just doing what makes you Trusting happy and process. like leading yeah. with happiness. Okay. I'm not going to take okay. it personally. Roll right off. We're just not meant to be. And I keep telling myself that should be, but I am, I'm also a sensitive, emotional, irrational individual. And <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> do you struggle with like pushing yourself? How do you like actively work on yourself? So I've been in remission for being a while. Fucking depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, you know, on a bench for some time. Um, I've gone through so many different phases of it, if I'm going to be honest. I think that's my biggest thing is slowing down so that like in the moments I'm able to react more clearly. I'm an extremist. I am a huge extremist. I go one way or the other. There's like no middle grade. And part of that, I think the fact that I, and my mom always says to me, she's like, you know, you don't have to do everything and experience yep. everything um, to get to a, at the place you need to get to. And I couldn't understand that. I wanted to know all the different types of people. So I threw myself in every type of toxicity. And yeah. And now after all of this work that I've done on myself and with age and time, really, I feel like nothing really is a surprise anymore. I do feel a lot more calm and controlled. You have to pull the emotion out and you have yeah. to think logically and answer logically. And I feel like a lot of that building through my career kind of made me more self-aware of how I might have to carry myself in conversations or – yeah able to shift gears, but I feel more yeah. positive. I feel more like I know what I want and I'm not going to settle after all this self growth that, and progress and investment I've made in myself that I'm not going to just settle. I, I, I'm really loving this year of me and I feel like I'm really putting myself in it and I'm enjoying the ride. It's almost like the more like self-aware I've become, mm -hmm. the more aware I've become that of other people. Yeah. And their their feelings and the fact that like they've got their own shit they're going right. through. That's not about me. I want to be happy and I want I I know the life, at least the things that are non-negotiables for me in life now. Yeah. And I need to lead with them. Yeah, I really took and, Vanessa's advice. I feel mm -hmm. like I've had her in my life again since college. And she's always been this positive light, but I never was in the place to receive the advice. And I can't yeah. believe it's taken this many years to our last podcast. It feels liberating. I just feel like I've been in a bubble just 
guarded and and I enjoyed it, but like I didn't feel like I was living. Yeah. So. If you're not ready or in a space where you're ready to receive it, you could hear it till you're blue in the face. It's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. You have to be like in a space emotionally and with yourself that you're able to do that and like give yourself what you deserve. Yeah. This is something we've heard since we're like in elementary school. And I always used to think it was just like horseshit or annoying when people would say it to me, but it really is so true. Like, if you don't love yourself, if you're not good with you, you're never going to be good for anyone else. That's true. I agree. Um, I also thought it was horseshit too. Right. <laughs> this is one of my better therapy sessions, I'll say. <laughs> I think that there's like good out there for us. I think it's the year for us, right? And, and I know Me you're going too. through it right now, but like I, I truly believe yeah. by the end of this year, we're going to have something really – exciting to report. I do feel that life is very complicated and it's up to us to like just keep our minds healthy, ourselves healthy. And And you know what case we can support each other. I think we can trust in that. 100%. I couldn't be more blessed to be doing it with you. So I'm glad I have a ride or die. Me too. And I'm glad that we did this. Different for us, but I hope everyone enjoyed and was able yeah. to uh, maybe take a piece of it and identify it with it in themselves. Yeah. Feel free to reach out, hit the follow button, tune into new episodes every Tuesday, streaming on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, socials, Instagram, and TikTok. And thanks for joining our Tuesday therapy, the, the double T's. Tuesday therapy, <laughs> Sash. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.